This past weekend, in honor of Pentecost, dozens of dioceses across the United States reinstated the obligation for Catholics to attend Sunday Mass. A dispensation had been in place in many dioceses for the better part of a year. One such place where Catholics were invited back to Mass in person was the Diocese of Lincoln in Nebraska. It's really been providential because um, here in the city of Lincoln, they just lifted the mask mandate today, um, actually midnight tonight, Friday before Pentecost Sunday. So it's really perfect for us. That's Bishop James Conley. He estimated that somewhere between 60 and 75 percent of Catholics in the diocese had returned to mass in person before Pentecost. But that still leaves, you know, 35 to uh, 25 percent that have not come back. And for many different reasons. Of course, some people may still have serious reasons to be worried about the pandemic. And the dispensation from Sunday Mass will still be in place for those who are legitimately afraid of getting sick or who are particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. But I think some of them are doing other things. You know, they're going to the grocery store, they're going out to eat, uh, they're going to sporting events, and they're just kind of gotten used to not going to Mass. You know, it's a habit. You have to have to instill those habits. And once you get out of a habit, it's hard to, you know, get back into the habit. And so I think that the obligation can help some of us. Now, obviously, we, we all should want to go to Mass. We should, you know, we should desire to go to Mass. But sometimes we don't want to go to Mass. And there's where the obligation comes in. The obligation to attend Mass in person boils down to one thing, the Eucharist. You'd be surprised how many Catholics struggle with the Church's teaching about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. A 2019 study by the Pew Research Center found that just 31% of Catholics they surveyed believe that the bread and wine used in the Eucharist through a process called transubstantiation becomes the body and blood of Jesus. 69%, or more than two-thirds, of surveyed Catholics reported that they believe that the bread and wine used in the Eucharist are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But, of course, the Eucharist is much more than a symbol. This week on the podcast, we'll talk to two theologians about what really happens during the consecration at Mass. And we'll hear a little more from Bishop Conley about why Catholics have an obligation to attend Mass in person, and why Mass on a screen is, unfortunately, a poor substitute. And in the second part of our episode, we'll travel to Poland to learn about a recent Eucharistic miracle, a miracle that points to the truth about what the Eucharist really is. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. of institution, the words that the priest speaks at Mass to consecrate the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, those words come directly from the Bible. You can find them in the Gospels, but the earliest reference can actually be found in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. So you want me to read it, or, or it is presupposed that people would know it? Father Rock Koresti is a Cistercian monk author, and a retired theology teacher at the University of Dallas. 
For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and after giving thanks, broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Sounds familiar, right? In the same way also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that we could say is the beating heart of the Mass, the institution narrative. This is Larry Feingold. He teaches theology at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. The Mass has Jesus speak in the first person and the priest speaking in the person of Christ in the words that Christ himself spoke at the Last Supper. This is my body. At that moment, those words spoken 2,000 years ago are active present words that make Jesus himself in his humanity present in our midst. But in a veiled manner. Under the appearances of the bread and the wine. But there he is in our midst, and he's there as sacrifice. In other words, he's there offering himself today and forever, as he did 2,000 years ago, this time not at the Last Supper, but on Good Friday the next afternoon, giving himself to his Father for us. And so the Mass makes that mysteriously present. It has been more than 2,000 years ago. But since it is the act of the Son of God, it transcends time, and it is present to all times. And so, you know, when we go to Mass, we go actually to that one perfect sacrifice that Jesus has offered on Calvary that has its effects, that has its presence in some real sense throughout the ages, throughout history. And of course, we want to be present to this, and we are, if we are just spectators, you know, that, that's, then do we want to be like, like those soldiers who were sitting at, at the foot of the cross and, and watching Jesus riding on the cross and suffering? Of course, at the Mass we attend, Jesus no longer suffers. His offering, you know, uh, the love, you know, that self-offering love is present at the Mass if we are open, but only if we are open to it. So we better be present there ourselves. The Eucharist has been polarizing since the very beginning. When Jesus first spoke about it, describing himself as the living bread, the Gospel of John says many of his disciples left him. Many of them. Even today, some Protestants take issue with the Eucharist. Protestant Christians think that it is presumptuous and wrong. And some Protestants would even say it is blasphemous that we consider the Mass as sacrifice because Christ did one sacrifice and he did it once for all. How could Catholics truly value Christ's sacrifice on the cross if they just keep repeating it? But the problem is we don't repeat it, no, exactly because we value it so infinitely exactly because we value it, because it is eternal. So it's not a new repetition, it's not really a new sacrifice. 
Saint John Paul II used to say that when he would offer the Eucharist at Mass, then time collapses and he is right there in the upper room at the Last Supper, at the foot of the cross at Calvary. And this is the fundamental reason why the Church has a Mass obligation and requires Catholics to come to Mass every Sunday is because we weren't there on Good Friday. We weren't born. And in fact, only a few disciples were there. Mary, John, Mary Magdalene, and Mary um, of Clopas. And we weren't there. And Jesus wants us to be there with him. And watching Mass on a screen, it just doesn't cut it. Here's Bishop Conley from the Diocese of Lincoln again. I'm a convert to the Catholic faith, and one of the things I learned early on as a Catholic when I was in college, I converted during my junior year in college, was the incarnational nature of the church, that we, that the Catholic church is very real and kind of uh, gritty, um, pithy. It's very, it's very much rooted in the physicality of the world. The, our Lord became, he took on our flesh and therefore he sanctified the world. Now the world and all of us were fallen creatures, um, but still nonetheless, the Lord used the things of this world to communicate his grace and his love, his mercy and his forgiveness to us. And one of those a very important, perhaps the most important way he communicates himself to us is through the Holy Eucharist. And watching mass on TV or a screen, live stream is okay if we can't go, if there's, you know, it's better than not. But it's no substitute for receiving the Eucharist and being present at the Holy Sacrifice. Growing up in the Protestant church, uh, the sermon was everything. So you could actually listen. In fact, my mom and I, we would all listen to the sermon of our Presbyterian minister while eating breakfast on Sunday. And we would probably, most of the time, we wouldn't go. Um, and that was enough. But uh, for us as Catholics, uh, we need more. We need to be fed physically by the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity by the bread of angels, the bread of life. And um, you can't do that through a screen. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kate Oliveira. Coming up. Monitoruje wygląd hostki i praktycznie jest niezmienny. Did you know that scientists found human heart muscle on a consecrated host in Poland? Stay with us for the full story. Hi guys, Kate here. And Jonah. Do you ever think to yourself, man, I love the stories I hear every week on CNA Newsroom, but sometimes I wish I knew more about what's happening in the church on a daily basis. It's okay if you've thought that. You won't hurt our feelings. Well, Catholic News Agency now offers a daily audio news update made especially for your smart speaker. It's called Catholic News, and it's available right now on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. You can listen every day on your favorite podcast app, too, if that's how you roll. Okay, here's how it works. On Google Home, all you have to do is walk up to your speaker and say, Hey Google, play Catholic News. Here's the latest news. If you have an Alexa, it's pretty much the same. Just say, Alexa, open Catholic News. Welcome back to the latest news from Catholic News Agency. You can also search for Catholic News in the Alexa Skills Store, Enable the skill on your app 
and then ask Alexa to play your flash briefing. Check out our show notes for more information. And now, back to the episode. St. Hyacinth Parish is in Legnitska, a city of about 100,000 people in central Poland, not far from the German and Czech borders. It was Christmas Day 2013. On that cloudy winter day, something well out of the ordinary was about to happen. During Holy Communion, as sometimes happens, a host slipped from a priest's hand and fell to the ground. When this happens, one of two things must be done. Either the host must be consumed immediately, or it must be placed in water and respectfully allowed to break down. Father André Jombra, the pastor, chose the latter. Ten days passed, but the host didn't break down in the holy water. Instead, a mysterious red spot began to appear. Eventually, the redness covered about a fifth of the surface of the host. Of course, the red spot could have had a perfectly ordinary explanation. Some alleged Eucharistic miracles, including one that took place recently in Utah, have turned out to be just mold. The first scientific tests into the red spot were done by the forensic medicine department at a nearby university in Vroklov. Such tests are very extensive. They were also looking for some kind of explanation, which would in some way explain the discoloration. This is Father Jombre speaking with the help of a translator. That first scientific test was fairly inconclusive because the scientists could not explain what exactly was causing the red coloration. In any case, it didn't seem to be mold. Fragments resembling heart muscle tissue were found. Human DNA was not found. But we also had some kind of a clue so that it could be, let's say, something that cannot be explained in a natural way. And so we searched further. The parish then sent a sample to the forensic medicine department at Pomeranian University in Szczecin. The scientists performed histopathological tests, meaning they took biopsies of the substance and examined it under a microscope. Interestingly, one of the things scientists would have been looking for in a true Eucharistic miracle was the blood type AB, as this has been found in other approved Eucharistic miracles. And of course, they were also looking for a DNA sequence. The scientists at Shechen found traces of human DNA, as well as human heart tissue that appeared to show signs of great stress. We are very far from being able to say unambiguously that this is the DNA of Lord Jesus. For this, we need to have evidence. I cannot resist the conclusion that the agony is associated with the dying of Christ. In 2016, the diocese's new bishop, Zbigniew Kiernikowski, presented the entire case to the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Soon after, the bishop directed Father Jambre to prepare a suitable place for the host to be displayed so that it could be venerated. The miracle remains under investigation, and the Vatican is watching closely to see what spiritual fruits come from the alleged miracle. I monitor the appearance of the host, and practically it is unchanged. 
My task is to gather information about miraculous healings, conversions, or issues related to the pilgrimage movement. And we already see that there are miraculous conversions, there are miraculous healings, also a large pilgrimage movement. The bishop said, quote, I hope that all this will serve to deepen devotion to the Eucharist and influence the lives of those approaching the relic. We consider this marvelous sign as a particular expression of the kindness and love of God, who so radically stoops to man. The church is interested not so much in the results of scientific research as in spiritual fruits. The alleged Eucharistic miracle is not without its critics. Some Polish newspapers have claimed that the sample of the host sent to Szczecin could have been contaminated with other DNA. Whatever the ultimate results of the scientific inquiry, Father Jambra said the long process of evaluating the miracle has actually been an opportunity for him to grow in his own personal faith, and having to wait several years to start telling people about the alleged miracle has helped him grow in humility. No, tak, bo, y, Kościół, the church is actually very cautious in deciding about extraordinary situations. When we thought we already had something, that we already had some concrete material which we could publish, it simply turned out that it was not yet the time. There have been over 130 approved Eucharistic miracles so far throughout history, but the last one was all the way back in 1996. Perhaps the miracle in Legnitska will be the next. Od tego, od tych nowych trendów, od od tego nowoczesnego, tak zwanego nowoczesnego świata. God uses tools which people believe in. Now people believe in the microscope. They believe that science is able to solve any problem. So God says, "Well then, if you believe in science, here you go. Science has shown you things in the consecrated host in Holy Communion. If you believe in science, that means believe in me too." CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. I produce and edit this show with the help of our executive producer, Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks to Bishop James Conley, Father Rock, and to Larry Feingold. Special thanks also to Christoph Kunert and EWTN Polska, which is EWTN's branch in Poland. They actually translated Father Jambra's interview for us, and they just opened up a brand new studio not too far from Legnitska. So if you happen to speak Polish, be sure to check them out at ewtn.pl. If you like what you hear on CNA Newsroom, please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week.